My psychic senses are telling me that you are spiritually curious. I'm just kidding. If you found your way here, most likely <laughs> you are interested or curious about energy, the secrets of the universe, the magic of the unseen. There is a lot of conflicting information out there about how to tune into energy beings properly, how to build your intuition, how to cleanse things, yada, yada, yada. I know how overwhelming it can be, so I created a one-stop shop for all of your spiritually curious, psychic expansive self-care needs where you can build your own spiritual practice with guidance, tools, and a safe place to explore your curiosities and connect to your intuition. There's a ton of crash courses covering topics ranging from meeting your spirit guides to trans-channeling to manifesting. You get distance Reiki healings for a wide range of needs, such as moving through discomfort or support stepping into a new chapter or even help calling in creativity. Subscribers get 15% off all full-price services, a monthly group Zoom hangout where the weird is our normal. There are exclusive channeling videos, expansive conversations, guided meditations, movement meditations, weekly reflections, intuitive practices, this podcast, ad-free and as a video, and so much more. New content is uploaded every week, so there's constantly new stuff for you to learn from, digest, and various practices to keep you grounded in your body. And all of this, might I add is only $7 per month. So if you're ready to align to your best self and show up as your inner being, a priceless investment in yourself, you can head over to channelwithamber.com slash subscribe to give it a peek. I'll see you over there. Hello friends, welcome back to Diary of a Psychic Medium with me, Amber Amrine. Today's conversation is all about guides, the concept of spirit guides is very well known at this point, but that also means there's a lot of mixed information about them, so I wanted to share my perspective on them to help clear some stuff up. We're going to be going over what they are, how they help us, and in honor of my 10th episode, 10 ways to foster your connection with them. Here we go. Everything we're discussing today is a mix of channeled material and what I've seen and experienced working with my guides as well as the guides of my clients and people around me. So as always, take what resonates, leave what doesn't. First things first, a spirit guide is an energetic being that is contracted to be with us, offering guidance and influencing our energy behind the scenes. They are chosen before we come into a lifetime, and they help our soul reach a nice, balanced, centered, free, abundant, joyous state. Guides can be other aspects of our soul, so us in other dimensions, higher realities, or even past lives. They can be ascended masters, extraterrestrials, beings from various realms like fairies, ancestors from this life, ancestors from past lives, or even more universal pure energies like the energy of unity, which we have discussed before. The more pure energetic beings can manifest as whatever type of being they want. Cultures and geographical locations influence us a lot, which is why we choose a lifetime to occur in a specific area or over many areas. So, that being said, our guides may match the energies present in a culture or a culture's belief system. For example, if a culture is one that honors animals greatly or a certain type of animal, a person may have guides that represent themselves in an animal form 
or they may get messages from their guides as things relating to animals, such as seeing a paw print in the dirt, seeing a certain type of bird a lot, stuff like that. Energy is very symbolic and is shaped by our perspective, so it will come through in specific ways based on that so that it makes sense to us. Wanting to name things is a very human thing, (laughs) but many beings don't actually have names. For me personally, I don't usually ask for a name or get a name. I just learn what their energetic signature feels like and then call upon them by thinking about it. They're usually very open to us assigning them names so that we feel we have more of a concrete connection, but it's for our sake rather than theirs. Some of our guides have their own life going on somewhere else, but keep an aspect of their consciousness with us to keep an eye on things, while others are fully present within our energy. Some stay with us for a whole life or through multiple lifetimes, while others are there for only a short while, whether it be a few days or a few years. Regardless of where yours come from or who they are or how long they've been there, we all have a family of guides with us at all times. As humans, we are very closed off from the energy world. We come here with no recollection of who we are or where our soul has been, which is why guides are so important. They act as like a more tangible middle ground between you and source, helping you process, manifest, bring in information, adopt certain mentalities, learn certain lessons, support us, all that good stuff. Though source is fluid and always changing and redefining, it still holds this beautiful, harmonious balance within it all. So having the guidance of beings from higher and higher realities that are more connected to how that balance is supposed to play out allows our energy to stay within a certain very broad framework to maintain this overall harmonious balance. This is also partly why we have soul contracts. There are certain generalized energies we are supposed to explore or adopt in some way, and our guides help us stay in alignment with that path or keep away certain energies that will thwart it. We all have a unique purpose and energy we bring to the table with each lifetime and each variation of our soul. So these help us fully explore those unique avenues. We have free will, so guides can't directly change our life in reality, but they can try to influence the direction we go and, again, keep away things that may take us to a dark path that we're not supposed to go on. They do this by igniting downloads in your body or opening up concepts that bring through revelations. They can also send you tingly feelings when you're supposed to be doing something to make it clear that you're onto something that's important or that's special. They basically use our body and environment to leave a little bread trail for us. Fostering a relationship with them is so beneficial because it allows you to become more sensitive to this trail as it will always lead you to a beautiful place of being. One of my guides had a beautiful comment about what they do. They said, It's important not just to look at guides as helpers destined to be with you, but rather friends that are willing to go the extra mile to be there for you. Oftentimes, these unsung heroes (laughs) dictate their life to help and maintain your consciousness. If it wasn't for us, things like car accidents, disruptions, and such can be executed forth. We are here to help you because we all come from the universe. 
If we come upon an energetic attraction or connection to another being, we are happy to help foster them and that connection because when one of us grows, we all grow. I thought that was lovely. (laughs) When our energy is lacking in some way, whether it be a mental, emotional, physical, or energetic obstacle we are trying to get over, other aspects of our energy, beings that have mastered that lesson, or ones wanting to learn it with us, will step forth to fulfill that and set us back on track. That's why they aren't all contracted to stay with us for the entire lifetime, because there are certain energies that they specialize in that we only need help when for like a short while. I've heard a concept many times before that your guides go through a training of sorts on the other side and only certain ones are qualified to be guides once they reach a certain level. I don't personally agree with that because we can have guides that are coming with us to learn a lesson too or are not very masterful beings in the collective or reality they come from. Them connecting with us and guiding us can be just as much of a learning process slash fulfillment of their soul mission as it is for us. So though many guides are highly developed energy beings, I have seen many, many exceptions to that. We talked about this in the dream episode, but when we go to sleep, our energetic processes take over. It is at that point that our guides also step in to help us work through and process any highly saturated balls of energy. The energy of your guides are naturally more present at night, so even if you aren't yet asleep, their energy will still fill your space. Energy is able to come through a lot easier and smoother at night. So having a combination of the moon's energy our guides' energies, and our more active energetic system, we are getting a powerful opportunity to explore our inner workings to heal, process, and connect to deeper aspects of ourself. This is also why sleeping at night rather than during the day offers much better results in terms of our physical, mental, and emotional functioning. Everyone's schedule is different, but night sleep allows for optimal energetic adoption and interaction. The way your guides communicate with you is dependent upon how you naturally learn and take in information, what your stronger, clear senses are, as well as your guides' natural methods of communication. It can also be dependent on what your relationship is with your guides or what the purpose of a guide is at that point of your life. So if the goal is for you to do a lot of self-exploration to start kind of making sense of things, your guides aren't going to just give you all the information, but they'll give you little hints. These can be in the form of thoughts or external signs. On the other side of things, if you have a specific purpose and you're just not seeing something clearly, they will give you the information directly. This can look like an enormous epiphany or coming across a specific life-changing book, person, or situation. So it just, it just depends on what the goal is. To tie all of this together, I'm going to share a very quick overview of my experience with my different guides throughout the years. I'm an only child. I was by myself a lot and would look to angels and fairies for companionship. <laughs> As we've established, it was at this point of my life during my childhood that energetic beings were making themselves known very physically and energetically. 
I would have a lot of dreams about angels in particular that were typically helping me process emotions or ensuring I was safe and protected. My mom would also tell me to talk to my angels whenever I felt stressed or anxious so that they could protect me or help a test or whatever go smoothly. So I had a consistent conversation going on with them depending on what my day looked like or how I was feeling. I wouldn't necessarily hear anything back, but I would just imagine them listening and then kind of encircling me and staying there throughout the day to make sure all was well. I would often see these moving lights on the walls that I would correlate with them, as well as mental images of what they looked like. There were two specifically that I would see a lot. One was a man. He looked younger, probably in his like mid-20s or so. He had like shoulder-length, curly, brown hair. This is the one I believe I saw when I was four. The other was a young girl around 9 or 10. She had golden hair that was in two braids, and she had freckles. I used to draw her a lot and always felt very connected to her, like she was my spirit sister. (laughs) I would see them in my mind's eye standing behind me and could see them with wings and a silky white gown. I talked about this before, but any electronic toys I had would turn on by themselves and play Hush Little Baby. I had this little piano thing that was not programmed to play that song, but one day it started going off in the closet. It was turned off, but we kept switching it on and off to see if maybe it was glitching out. We even took the batteries out and it was still playing Hush the Little Baby. I also had an educational toy that would say, let's go to school when you turn it on and then goodbye when you turn it off. And there were a few times when I was leaving for school, and this happened to my mom too. As we were leaving, it would just say, let's go to school, goodbye, or have a great day. Those all scared me, of course. It made me very uncomfortable when things turned on, but I was also trained to view them as my angels, just letting me know they were there. So I grew up with a very strong interaction with them. As I entered my teenage years, the prevalence of the guides I would see shifted to fairies. I would see them in my room every day. They would open up drawers and closet doors. I would hear them anytime I needed guidance. There was one in particular that I saw with me for probably about a year. Her name was Ginger. She was a little like pixie. She's maybe like four inches tall, five inches tall, something like that. She would sit on my shoulder and she would just basically whisper things to me when I felt unsure or was looking for some confirmation on something. Around 18, I started to go to a shaman about twice a year for some energy healing. I would go into a meditative state as he was doing the healing, and probably around the third time I went to him, during the healing, all of my past lives started to come to me. They were standing around me in a circle, and one by one, they were coming up and like introducing themselves. One of them was a man in his 40s. He had a long gray beard and long gray hair. He had little spectacles, a white ruffly shirt, and kind of fluffy beige pants. He was a philosopher and was executed for sharing his views. He believed strongly that they needed to be shared, but that was not okay with the governing body at the time because they felt he was introducing dangerous topics, so he ultimately paid the price for it. 
I felt very connected to him in particular, and he is one I still feel and interact with every so often. For a while, a lot of my anxiety partially stemmed from unresolved issues from his lifetime, and I feel like that's part of the reason why my PTSD was so triggered by a fear of murder. I've been working with him a lot to heal those wounds by putting myself out there and sharing freely with him by my side, basically doing what he felt he couldn't do. It's helped tremendously in healing his wounds and preventing those old energies from spilling over into this lifetime. Anyway, that whole experience meeting my past lives moved me into a new guide focus. The energies of all of my past lives became very strong and very prominent. There's a park by where I used to live at the time, and it had this very small amphitheater type thing. I would go there probably about once a week to meditate because I prefer being in nature when I do, and I would literally have meetings with my past lives there. I would see them all sitting and standing around me. I would ask questions to understand my soul's journey better as well as to just get some guidance on what I should do or how to do certain things. At that time, I was really interested in holding classes about connecting to energy, so they would actually help me come up with curriculum and stuff. (laughs) After a few months, probably, there was another shift, and guides from different planets and realms became more apparent. Today, I am very in tune with my intuition and trust it very much, so my guides aren't as actively involved in my day-to-day as they used to be, I do talk to them when I need help or feel stuck, but I don't necessarily hear or see them. I just feel the connection to them and receive signs throughout the day. So the dynamic has consistently changed over time. And with that, we're going to take a quick break and then get into the topic you're all here for. (laughs) 10 ways to connect to your guides. It's a lot of good information. It may be helpful to take notes, (laughs) but do whatever you want. (laughs) I'll see you soon. Stay tuned. And we're back. We all have different strengths and need different things, so I have included so many different options in how to connect to your guides. My goal was to try to tailor it to all levels and just have a whole bunch of stuff in there, so you are bound to find something. (laughs) All right, so the first thing is meditation. There are so many ways to meditate, but ones focused on mental stillness usually work best so that you can actively raise your vibration to connect with them and be quiet enough to be able to hear, see, feel, whatever information they have for you. Examples of this type of meditation are sitting down, focusing on your breathing, going for a walk or run, laying down outside, or inside, (laughs) sitting in a tree, etc. Anything that just makes you stay quiet and listen. When you begin the meditation, you want to set the intention that you want to connect with your guides, or you can set one that's more specific, like you want to connect with them to gain insight on whether or not you should take a new job offer. You know what I'm saying? It can either be just a general, I want to get to know you, or I need help. State this intention aloud or mentally and feel that intention settle into your heart. So I usually just state it and then feel my heart chakra like heating up and glowing and growing and just taking that intention and blowing it up. 
From here, you can either just stay present and allow any colors, words, downloads, etc. to come through while you focus on your intention, or you can actively try to initiate a conversation with them. Depending on how you naturally connect, you may want to ask them to send you mental images or feelings to begin establishing that form of communication, or you can ask them what they look like, what their purpose is, how they want to communicate with you, etc. As always, when using your intuition, trust the information being given to you. If you see a picture in your mind for a split second or thoughts pop into your mind, don't overthink it. Just imagine they are your guides communicating. The more you can give in to that and allow and trust, the less resistance you will be giving off to that energy. So the smoother that connection is, which will help make it grow faster. I just want to make a note. When it comes to like verbal communication, audience, depending on how your audience manifests and how their energy is, you may either hear thoughts in your voice, like you're thinking something, it may be thoughts in someone else's voice, or like an audible voice outside of you. Each guide is different, but just keep that in mind. It isn't always very obvious that a message is coming through from an external source. So again, even if it sounds like your head just thinking about things, just trust it. If you're setting the intention, you're connecting with your guides, and that's coming through, then there you go. <laughs> that's your guides giving you information. Second is automatic writing. This has been coming up a lot in sessions lately for some reason. I feel like collectively, the need to channel while writing has been on full blast lately. <laughs> Automatic writing is an exercise to get direct information from your guides or any other energetic being. You want to begin in a meditative state, so calm your body, clear your mind, inhale and exhale deeply a few times, set the intention to connect with your guides. And then you want to grab a journal or a piece of paper, whatever, and at the top of the page, write out a specific question, such as, how can I best connect with you? What is your purpose working with me? What should my focus in life be? Whatever you want, just have a specific question. Then close your eyes, take a deep breath, repeat the question in your head, let it go into your heart, and begin writing. You want to keep your mind clear and just write nonstop. You don't want to read, judge, or second-guess what you're writing. Just keep your pen moving until you feel you are finished. At that point, you can stop, read it over, and judge it if you want to. This is a side note, and I don't know if any of you will do this, but I used to try writing with my eyes closed when I would do this because it felt more fancy, but it always resulted in a mishmash of illegible words. So I recommend keeping your eyes open. <laughs> With this exercise, your guides themselves are not moving your hand. You're not trans-channeling with this. You're just allowing the energetic information to flow down as you simultaneously translate that energy into words. Learning to read energy is like learning a new language. So by just writing and not thinking about anything else, you allow your subconscious mind to take over and basically help your conscious mind remember how to translate it. If you've never done automatic writing before or are just new to interpreting energy, the messages that you write out may not make sense, but as you practice and begin to understand the energy better, it will naturally become more and more clear and the messages will like make more sense. They will resonate instead of being like, the river is orange in 
the seaweed or something. I used to write things <laughs> like that and it I didn't think it was working and I just kind of gave up, but it just it's a process. You have to learn how to translate. Third is very simple. Just talk to them. Start your day asking them to be with you. If you're stressed, ask them to take your worries away. If you see or feel something strange, ask them what it was. Just keep that line of communication consistently active. The more you talk to them, the more you stay aware and sensitive to your connection to them, and thus the more you are letting them know you want to connect. You may not hear them or have tangible expressions of their presence, but keeping this connection strong will allow them to understand what you need from them and when, as well as allow any subtle energy shifts they're trying to help you with occur quickly and easily without any resistance because you're more naturally comfortable and trusting with their energy. This bleeds into number four, ask for signs. You can either ask for a specific sign, such as a white feather to mean you're on the right path, or repetitive numbers to signify that you need to meditate because they have a message for you. Sometimes you can have a say in what you want them to show you like that for a specific message, but more often than not, they're just going to give you what they want to, <laughs> and then you have to decode it. Meanings can also shift a lot, so don't be surprised if a certain sign begins to take on a different meaning over time. There's so much they can be trying to say in one tiny little symbol, so pairing this with something like automatic writing is good so they can elaborate more on what they're trying to share. Or just pay attention to how you're feeling, if you felt a shift when you saw the sign, what you were thinking about when you saw it, and so on. That will give you clues as to what could be behind it, but don't overthink it. Just thank them for the sign and move on, even if it doesn't make sense. Sometimes the symbol itself could ignite a deep download in your body, and that's it. In terms of repetitive numbers, or just a sequence of numbers that you see often, there are some number dictionaries you can look at. My favorite is Doreen Virtue's Angel Numbers book. Those have always resonated with me personally, but keep in mind there is no universal definition for like 333 or 102. If you keep seeing a specific sequence of numbers and let's say are thinking about something negatively when you see it, it could be a message to snap out of it. Or if you're thinking about something positive like money and abundance, seeing that sequence could be a sign of prosperity to come. Again, just pay attention to how you're feeling if there's any shifts. These messages can change all the time, but trying to decode what they could potentially mean allows you to create your own personal dictionary in terms of how energy comes to you. Again, it's like learning a different language. If you're contemplating two different options in something and you're asking for guidance and you see a sign, but it's very confusing as to which direction it means to take, there is something that I personally like to do that I would recommend. If you have these two options, let's say one is X and one is Y, all you have to do is say, if you mean I should do option X, show me a sign. Wait a little bit. If you don't see anything, then you can say, if you mean to do option Y, show me a sign. Wait again to see if you see anything. If you don't see a sign for either, then you can say, if both X and Y are going to give me the same outcome and it doesn't really matter, show me a sign. <laughs> when I do this, the confirming signs aren't usually that fancy and are usually very subtle. It could be a flash of light or a strange sound or a knocking noise. 
Sometimes it's so subtle that I have to ask for it again. Just be patient and listen. It may take like a few seconds. If you think something is a sign, trust it. Again, you can always ask for them to show it to you again just to confirm. Common signs from guides are feathers, numbers, coins on the street, flowers, dragonflies, hummingbirds, a flashing light, a blue light, knocking, or anything else that randomly stands out to you. You may also be drawn to a person, book, place, whatever, which is also their way of magnifying a certain energy. Number five, use oracle cards. Cards aren't magical. They're paper with pictures and symbols printed on them. When you pull a card, the cards aren't magically reading you. (laughs) You are connecting to your intuition, which is connecting you to your guides and higher self to receive a message about a certain topic. Using cards is a whole process in itself, but in terms of communicating with guides, there are a few ways you can do this. Depending on what the deck looks like or is, you can set the intention of finding a card that best represents your guide so that you can get to know it better. So by holding this intention, you can look through each card and pick the one you feel most drawn to. If you feel most drawn to a couple, that's fine. Take a moment to understand what aspects of the card drew you the most, what kind of energy it represents, what it feels like, what it sounds like, all that stuff. The meaning of the card that is given in the deck doesn't have to match the conclusions you're coming to. Again, the cards aren't magical and the included meanings are only a suggestion. New definitions and meanings can absolutely be created and recreated. But in this case, we're not looking to get a reading on something you're just feeling out the energy. Other ways of using your cards for this, you can place them face down and from the back, choose which one you're most drawn to. You can shuffle the cards three times and turn over the top card or shuffle them quickly until one flies out. There are many methods. You can even make up your own, but just have a clear question or intention and then trust the process. After each pull, I like to knock on the deck three times just to reset the energy since I will be putting in a new intention. Number six, use a pendulum. In case you aren't familiar, pendulums are a chain or string with something attached to the bottom, such as a crystal, glass, I've even used a little charm before, like on a necklace. It's most common for the dangly bottom bit to be a crystal attached to a chain, so that is the type of pendulum I will be focusing on in this little section, but the rules still apply to everything else. Pendulums can be used for a bunch of stuff, from understanding a message to measuring the health of your chakras. If you just bought one, it may take a little while for your energy and the pendulum's energy to connect, especially if it's a crystal. So I would sleep with it under your pillow or on a nightstand, keep it in your pocket or your hand throughout the day, and try to keep that interaction constant for a few days so that that nice bond is established. With crystals, it's always recommended you ask it permission to help you before you use it. Crystals have their own consciousness and work best when treated as a respected partner rather than just being forced (laughs) to be used whenever you want. So I will tell you how to do that. To use a pendulum, you want to start by going into a calm meditative state. So calm your body, clear your mind, inhale and exhale a few times. Now you're going to program it by setting what yes and no are. 
I usually spin it in a circle and say this means yes and then swing it back and forth and say this means no. But you can have it opposite or even set a clockwise circle meaning yes and a counterclockwise meaning no. Or you can even just ask the crystal what it wants yes and no to mean for you. So for that, you would just say, show me a yes, let it move. Show me a no, let it move. After that, you're going to ask if you can use it to connect with your guides and higher self. Hold it in front of you, maintain that calm state of mind, and allow it to move. If it shows you a no, don't use the pendulum. It could be that your guides don't want you to use the pendulum in that moment to connect with them, or that the crystal itself doesn't want to be used at that moment. You can try again later, but always respect the response given. If it shows you a yes, then you can proceed. From here, you can start to ask it yes and no questions to understand or confirm any intuitive message you have received from your guides. For example, you can say, I saw a feather today. Was that from my guides? <laughs> or I feel a bubbling energetic sensation right now. Is this my guide's energy? Pendulums serve as an extension of our energy field and are revealing what your intuition already knows. So if your hand is naturally moving it, that's okay. It's an extension of your energy and that just means your body is clearly interpreting something and just trying to make that known to you. Just be sure to keep that calm, neutral state of mind because if you start overthinking, your energy is going to be chaotic and the answer won't be clear to you because you will be like blocking it off. It's just going to be representing that chaos. It is important that you cleanse it often. You can do this by burning a cleansing botanical such as sage and immersing it in the smoke. You can put it outside in the moonlight overnight during a full moon. If it's safe for use with water, you can let it sit in some salt water or just run it under cold tap water. And if it's safe for use with sunlight, you can just put it out in the sunshine for a little while. If you don't have a pendulum but are interested in this you can use your body for the same thing. Sit down, go into that meditative state of mind, lean your body to one side saying this means yes, and lean to the other side saying this means no. You will then ask questions and use which way your body naturally leans to interpret the answers. Same thing as a pendulum. Our body knows what is true and what is false before our conscious mind does. That intuitive mind is active there. So if you are connecting with that, your body will allow you to see it more tangibly. Seven, crystals. There are so many different types of crystals with so many different strengths and focuses. With this specific intention of connecting with guides, you'd probably want one that focuses more on spiritual and psychic development raising your frequency, or connecting with your higher self. Appetite is one of my favorites that covers all of these three, but having ones that focus on grounding, balancing chakras, and clearing your mind can also be just as helpful to allow your body to be calm and balanced so that you can hear, see, and feel any messages coming forth. Examples of ones that specifically do that are tiger's eye and brown tourmaline. You can use multiple crystals to meditate with, so you have energies helping you with different things or even just increasing the energy of one focus. I personally like to use two or three when channeling. I feel like having them in my hands to fidget with kind of helps my mind stay calm and prevents overthinking. It just helps me focus on the energy. When you are going to buy a crystal, you want to pick the one that draws you and feels the best 
to hold. Like you just, it just feels right. It feels good. You want to cleanse it right away because everybody that's touched it, the miners that mined it, every everything will be on it. <laughs> and that will be adding a lot of convoluted energy to your space. So you want to cleanse it immediately. That being said, too, you also want to follow all of these when you're just collecting a crystal from your own personal collection. Look for the one that draws you the most or just feels the best in that moment. If it's been used a lot or has just been sitting there for a while, it's a good idea to cleanse it so that any energy it has soaked up from you or your environment can be cleaned so that it's operating from its pure state. Again, you want to ask if it's okay that you use it. Trust your intuition for this. I usually will ask it and then wait until I feel a yes or no answer. If you can't hear or feel anything, what I like to do is just hold my palm open with my fingers kind of spread out. I place the crystal in my hand, ask it, and then if it rolls out of my hand, I take that as a no. And if it stays, then that is a yes. (laughs) From here, just like with meditating, you just want to set an intention with your crystal. And then you can hold it in your hands, place it on your body somewhere, like if you want to lay down and put one over your third eye, one over your heart chakra, whatever, or just put them in your lap. The energy of the crystal will interact with your energy field to help suck out or work through any blocks and help push your energy in the direction you are intending it to. Number eight, dreams. Since our soul is able to leave the physical plane and explore higher energetic realities when we sleep, Using dreams to connect to your guides is a very powerful tool. It does, however, take practice and repetition. All you have to do is state right before you go to sleep that you want your guides to present themselves in a dream, or if you have a specific question or issue you need help with, you can also include that in your statement of intention. We talked about all of this in the dream episode, but you're just basically going to do the same thing. Keep a journal by your bedside so that you can write down any significant dreams or moments when you wake up. It may take multiple tries for them to make like tangible contact through a dream where you wake up remembering it. So be aware of any recurring themes, people, or situations that become present as these subtle repetitions can give you some insight and help the messages come through clearer. Sometimes they can come in very clearly announcing that they're your guides and here's the answer you need, while other times it's just more hidden and symbolic. So it usually will take some deep diving. You can either meditate on it to understand it better, automatic write, or even use a crystal to help you. Additionally, you may not wake up remembering what happened, but you wake up feeling different or significantly refreshed for some reason. That's a good sign they helped work the energy out with you to facilitate whatever shift needed to occur, but that you didn't necessarily need to be aware of what the shift was or what caused it. So if you wake up feeling different, just trust that that's all that needed to happen and you're good to go. Number nine, honor your guides in some way. This can either be done through burning a candle in their honor, dedicating a certain object to them, You can create a spiritual altar, leaving them a piece of food or a little trinket as an offering of thanks, or you can even just write them a thank you letter. By staying in a place of love and gratitude towards them, you foster that connection and that energy. When we feel frustrated that we aren't getting an answer the way we want or upset that something hasn't happened yet, we place blocks and can create resentment which only further separates us from what we're actually asking for. 
If you consistently send them gratitude or honor them in some way, again, it doesn't have to be fancy, even taking a moment to bow your head in their honor in the mornings is perfectly fine. You strengthen your bond and trust in the process, which allows everything to unfold effortlessly. Finally, number 10, see a psychic medium. (laughs) It can be very difficult to read yourself because it often requires an unbiased, neutral position, which can be hard to acquire yourself. If you are also just learning how to tap into your psychic abilities, it can be difficult to understand when you're overthinking things or you may just need confirmation that you're not making stuff up. So having a professional that can read that stuff is very helpful sometimes. It can also give you clear insight as to which of these 10 methods or others your guides prefer to use to connect with you. You can find out what blocks, if any, are present that may be making it difficult for you to connect to them clearly, as well as just getting direct insight on who they are, what their purpose is, etc., to then take with you and begin further fostering. And that's our show for today. This was a lot of information. I hope it was helpful and you were able to take away something from it. If you aren't following me on Instagram, I'm just going to make an announcement here. Moving forward, I will be publishing these podcasts every other Monday. So I will see you in two weeks. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Diary of a Psychic Medium with me, Amber Amrine. To learn more about what I do, visit channelwithamber.com. For future updates on the show, to give some feedback on future episodes, or to just connect, follow me on Instagram at Channel with Amber. Shout out to Unicorn Heads for my theme song, A Mystical Experience. See you next time.